The following sermon was delivered to Christ Central Church in order to further our knowledge and adoration of who God is. We pray that it displays the hope found in Christ and strengthens your faith in Him. Paul has been in the middle of chapter 15 of laying out some arguments for the bodily resurrection of uh, people in general, not just the bodily resurrection of Christ, but the bodily resurrection of, of people. God ha- or Paul has been laying out these um, arguments for this, and he's been walking us through those. He's, he's taken a number of different forms. So there are some in Corinth who have doubted the bodily resurrection of of anyone. And so Paul begins to lay out these arguments, the first of which is a theological argument, where Paul says, if you deny the the bodily resurrection, then these are the circumstances of of that denial. And we walk through those um, circumstances that would take place. After more of a theological argument came an eschatological argument or an argument based on what is to come, that there are some things that we know that will happen. And because we know these things will happen and these things resolve around resurrection, then therefore there is resurrection. And then last week, Jacob um, walked us through what is an, an ethical or an experiential argument for the resurrection. Now, Paul has concluded his argument for resurrection. And now he is assuming, and and rightly so, I I hope, that you agree that resurrection will take place. That's just the the transition that is, is made here. You see it in verse 35. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised and with what kind of, of body? So you see what Paul is saying is, okay, I've, I've argued for the resurrection. Uh, hopefully now you see from the, the weight of the evidence that there is a resurrection. And now the question that is going to be asked is, okay, how is the resurrection going to take place? And with what kind of, of body is there going to be? Now, this, this question that Paul assumes that you're asking now... This was a question that I believe was being asked in Corinth. I mean, this is Paul's answer to um, the question that they were, they were asking. These, this frames the rest of this, this section. It certainly frames the message this, this morning. It seems from a, a reading of this text that when Paul says, but someone will ask, how are the dead raised and with what kind of body do they come, that, that these are not genuine heartfelt questions. But instead, these are, you know, uh, sarcastic questions that come from those in Corinth that were denying the, the resurrection. And in their denial of the resurrection, were asking these rhetorical questions, right? So, so it was more like you, 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 you know, unlearned, silly ridiculous Christians who believe in a resurrection. Well, let me just ask you, exactly how are the dead raised? And with what kind of body? I mean, are, are, they, are they coming out with decayed bodies? Are, you, are you, you kidding me? This is the kind of question. This was also framed, and, and Jacob touched on this 
last week from a, a Gnostic viewpoint of the body. Uh, Gnosticism was, was popular in, in Greek culture. And um, it was just it was a, it was a, a way of, of thinking. It was a worldview that said that anything that is bodily, anything that is fleshly is evil, and anything that is spirit is good. So a Gnostic would want to put aside anything that had to do with the flesh um, because it viewed it as, as evil. And so if you had a, a Greek Gnostic who would absolutely denial a bodily resurrection, because for them, the body is evil. Body is evil. What do you mean a bodily resurrection? Finally, at death, we shed this thing that's evil. Why in the world would we get back a body that is undesirable? So you had that, those arguments happening in Corinth. You also had some, some Jewish rabbis teaching that when resurrection took place, the body that came out of the grave was the same body that went into the grave. You had these competing and contradictory opinions on is there a resurrection, is there not a resurrection? If there is a resurrection, what kind of body? How does it happen? What does it look like? And so Paul steps in to bring the truth of God to these questions. And that's what God does in His grace, doesn't He? He, he steps in and He brings truth. He brings answers to our questions. That's what what Paul does here. Now, Paul responds to this pretty harshly, doesn't he? Some will ask, how are the dead raised? And with what kind of body do they come? And Paul's response is, you foolish person. You fool. You fool. Now, listen. This is why I believe that these were, were rhetorical questions asked by those who thought they knew more than everybody else. Because if these were genuine, heartfelt questions, the response of, of a man of God, the response of God is not, you fool, for asking this question. No, the response of God is, thank you for bringing your questions to the right source and let me give you the answer. No, this is Paul's response to those who think they already know. He's saying, you're a fool. Because you think you know the answer. You think there isn't. A resurrection, or you think there is a resurrection, but it's the same body that you had while you were alive on the earth. This is this is a stern rebuke, rebuke that was aimed at those who thought they already knew the answer, not at those who genuinely already did. The way I see this is Paul going, "Come on, man! I mean, come on, man! Seriously, you know better than this. This is simple." This is simple. The answer to this question is, is simple. And here you are in all your so-called learned, intelligent opinions. And you are missing the simple that is right before you. Because this is clearly evident. And the answer is easily seen in nature. Some will ask, how are the dead raised and with what kind of body are they raised with? Well, you are missing it right before your very eyes. God has 
sown this into nature and it is evident all around you. And so Paul uses simple illustrations to show them what kind of body and how the resurrection takes place. You foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but it is a bare kernel, perhaps of of wheat or of some other grain. Paul says, you understand this. It doesn't take a, a seminary degree. It doesn't take theological education to understand that when you sow something into the ground, what you sow into the ground is different than what comes out of the ground. That's not hard to figure out. That when you take a seed, when you take a kernel and you put it into the ground, the seed dies. It's buried. But then it rises again in a form very different from that which went into the ground. That's that's Paul's illustration here, right? What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. You can have that seed, you can have that kernel, but if you don't put it in the ground, it doesn't come to life. But when you do, when it dies and it's buried, when it comes back, it comes back in a body that's totally different. What happens to it? Verse 38. But God gives it a body as he has chosen. And to each kind of seed, its own body. You understand this. There are seeds that maybe, you know, sort of all look similar. But you put them into the ground and God in His sovereignty determines what comes out of that seed and it all looks different. God in His sovereignty has written what each seed is to be harvested into. Its body, that's the illustration, its body is chosen by God. And each kind of seed has its own body. They're not all the same. Not every seed bears the same fruit. It bears what God sovereignly chooses. And so it is with our bodies. Why is this so hard? understand you take the seed and you bury it and that seed the same life the same person it dies but it comes again in a new form And when it comes in a new form, it comes with new beauties it comes with new purposes it comes with new capacities It comes in a new form. What you sow is not the body that is to be. You see, this is the teaching of Jesus to his disciples. You see it in John chapter 12, starting in verse 23. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. This is what Jesus says. The time has come. The hour has come. The moment has come for the Son of God to be glorified. And that glorification is going to come in my death, burial, and resurrection. Because just like a grain of wheat, if it isn't buried, if it doesn't die, then it isn't raised, and it isn't harvested, and it isn't joined together with the rest. It remains alone. And all of this by the sovereign will of God. Each seed its own body and every body different. So when someone asks, so what kind of body will we be raised with? The first answer from the text is we will all be raised with a different one. It will be different than the body we have now. And it will be distinct from the others raised from the dead. We will have a sovereignly chosen, distinct, new form. With new beauties, with new purposes, with new capacities. Just as a seed is buried in the ground and produces something new, so are we buried in the ground, risen to new life, to something new. That is the illustration. You know, you wouldn't know it from the seeds, would you? If you held seeds in your hand, you would think these are indescript. These are not especially special. But when they're buried and they're raised to new life, they're amazing. And each and every one is different. And you should be okay with that. This is Paul's argument. You should be okay with that because that's also evident from nature. That's verse 39. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another kind... For animals, another for birds, and another for fish. You see what, what Paul's doing? He's stacking illustrations on top of each other. What, with what kind of body are they going to have? How's this resurrection going to take place? Well, it's going to take place because you go in the ground and you come out new, just like seeds. You understand that. And just like every seed goes in and comes out different, so will we go into the ground and come out different. And you ought to be okay with every one of us being different because God has already written that into creation. There are different kinds of flesh in creation. There's a, there's a human flesh. There's a, a, a flesh of animal. There's a flesh of birds. There's a flesh of, of fish. All flesh is it the same. Now that does not mean that some of you are going to come out as a fish. What it means is, is that God is sovereignly creative. And He is able to create different kinds of flesh. Be it human flesh or the flesh of a cow or the flesh of a pig or the flesh of a bird or the flesh of a fish. 
God is able. God is able to create what he sovereignly chooses. All flesh is not the same. And that is evident. So you shouldn't have a problem with that. But it isn't just the physical bodies on this earth that illustrate this, but it is the whole of the universe that illustrates this. Verse 40. Well, there are heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is of one kind and the glory of the earthly is of another kind. There is one glory for the sun and another glory for the moon and another glory for the stars. For star differs from star in glory. This word glory means manifestation, right? When, when God chose to glorify himself, when he chooses to glorify himself, what he does is he makes himself known. He manifests himself. And Paul's argument is you understand that there are different kinds of manifestations. There are different kinds of of glory. There There is earthly manifestations. We can see with our eyes the earth. We can see glorious mountains. We can see beautiful valleys. We can see with our eyes the the glories of the earth. But there are also glories in the heavens, right? The sun has its own kind of manifestation. The moon, its own kind of of manifestation. Every single star, its own kind of manifestation. God is able in his creative sovereign ability to create however he wants to create and whatever he wants to create with whatever manifestation and glory he wants to create in thousands and thousands and myriads and myriads of different ways. This isn't hard for us to grasp. Isn't it amazing? I mean, this was written in, you know, 50-ish A.D. And, and Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, before there, there really are even powerful telescopes, knows every single star is different. I mean, we stand here, we look up, they all look sort of the same. But there, every one is different. Every color different. Every glory different. Every bit of flesh different. You know, our, our, our bodies are, are built out of amino acids. That's sort of what is the building block of, of life. And I heard this week there are some like, I, don't, I can't even remember the, the word. It's, it's to the 10th power. Possible combinations of life forms. So much so that there's not... Nor has there ever been two people who are exactly the same. Not even identical twins. It's not hard to grasp. It's not hard to see that when a seed goes into the earth, it dies. But it comes back as something new, something beautiful, and something different. It's not hard to look around and see that God is able to create distinct bodies. Be they earthly bodies or heavenly bodies, God is able to do that. We can look around and all that we see, it tells us that God can create any kind of body he wants. Verse 42, so is it with the resurrection 
of the dead. Just like it is with seeds and just like it is with flesh and just like it is with heavenly and earthly bodies, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. You can look around, you can see this, you can look around and see that God can make a unique body for every person resurrected. Why wouldn't you think that God could do whatever he wants to do? It's pretty evident that he can. And then Paul goes into a series of contrasts. To show that you sow one thing and you reap something different. And so it is with the resurrection. So it is with our bodies. Paul says what is sown is perishable. But what is raised is imperishable. Paul uses this illustration of, of, of... being sown and being raised. He's he's talking about our bodies. He's talking about our death. This this sowing is like a, a farmer sowing seed, putting it into the ground. He says, so it is with the resurrection. What is sown into the ground, our bodies. What is sown is perishable. Right? Physical life, our life as we know it on this earth is perishable. It is temporary. Every single one of us is headed to the same exact fate. And that's death. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 20. All go to one place. All are from the dust and to dust all return. We are born and in the moment of our birth... We begin heading towards death because we are perishable. This body is perishable. Sin has brought death and decay and we are perishable. But what is sown in the earth as perishable is raised as imperishable. Our new bodies that are different, our new bodies that are distinct, when God raises us from the dead, He raises us from the dead with a body that is imperishable, that never sees decay, that never dies. Peter says it this way, 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading kept in heaven for you. We may go into the earth as perishable and we experience that every single day of our lives. But praise God, when resurrection happens, what is raised is imperishable. It's the first contrast. Verse 43. It's sown in dishonor. This body is dishonorable. This body dishonors God with its sin. This body dishonors God with its rejection of of Him. This body marred by sin and, and sickness is dishonorable. But it is raised in glory. 
We die in dishonorable bodies. But praise God, we are raised in glorious ones. This body is sown in weakness. Weakness. In inability. As strong as we may think that we are, as able as we may think that we are, we are weak. But what is raised is raised in power. We come back in an imperishable, glorious, powerful body. What is sown, Paul says, verse 44, is a natural body. But what is raised is a spiritual body. Now, what does this mean? What does it mean to be a spiritual body? It means that we will have a body that can accommodate the spiritual realm. It means that our resurrected bodies will not be limited by the physical like our natural bodies are. See, our bodies as we have them, they are not capable to handle the spiritual realm. We are limited, right? We are weak. We are dishonorable. We are perishable. We are not able to handle the spiritual realm. But when we are raised in new life, in a new body, we're not raised with a natural body. We're raised with a a spiritual body that is able to handle... The spiritual realm. We are able to do things in the spiritual realm that we are never able to do in the physical realm. I want to give you some examples of this. This is perfectly seen in Jesus Christ. In his physical body prior to his resurrection... While he does have power as God in the flesh over nature we still see limitations on him. He is weak. He is hungry. And he is grieved. But when he returns, raised to new life in a glorious, imperishable, powerful, spiritual body, all of a sudden he appears and disappears at will. All of a sudden, he's able to pass through a wall. All of a sudden, he's able, like a rocket ship, to ascend to heaven and leave everybody else standing there like. What are you standing there gazing into heaven? Just like he went up, he's coming again. This is a spiritual body we see in in Christ. A body that that has a physical form, but is spiritual in nature. His resurrected body is a spiritual body. Listen, it's the same life. They're not a different person. It's the same life. It's the same person. But there's different capabilities. There's different beauties. There's different glories to be raised In a spiritual body. 
The example is Jesus Christ. What kind of body will we have? The example is Jesus Christ. And that's exactly where Paul goes. Look at the next verse. Well, I guess continuing in verse 44. It's sown in a natural body. It's raised in a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus, it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. And the last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. I love this verse. You know, Paul's already talked about Jesus Christ being the second Adam. And he just continues this again. And he says, the first man, Adam, he became a living being, right? Meaning that God, in his sovereignty and his, his creative capacities, formed him out of the dust of the earth and then breathed life into him. Breathed spirit into him, right? That ruach in, in the, the Hebrew, it's, it's, it's breath, it's life, it's wind, it's spirit. God gave him life, natural body. That's the first man. Formed and given life. He became a living being, the first Adam. But the last Adam, he becomes a life-giving spirit. Life's not given to him. Spirit's not given to him. There's no breath breathed into him. No, it comes out of him. He becomes a life-giving spirit. But it's not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first Adam came first, the natural came first, then came the spiritual, then came the second Adam. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man, he came from heaven. And as was the man of dust, so also are, are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. If we are of the first Adam, if we remain in our sins, then we are like him. But if we are in Christ, we are like him. If we remain in the first Adam, we remain as natural Beings, death and decay. But if we are of Jesus Christ, we become like him who's from heaven. Spiritual bodies. Verse 49, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Would you love it? Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, just as we have borne the image of Adam, the first Adam, the sinful Adam, the failure Adam, the weak Adam, the, the decaying Adam, we have borne his image. We shall also bear the image of Jesus Christ. There is a day coming we will be like Christ. That's the great hope of the resurrection. That's the body that is to come out of the grave. It is one that will be like Christ. Now, we won't be Christ. You're not going to be a God. 
but you will be like him. Philippians 3, 20. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. I love that, that, that second phrase there Paul gives. Is, it's, he's, he's answering this question that people might ask, like, how's he going to do that? What do you mean, how's he going to do that? He has enough power to, to put everything under subjection. He can do what he wants. And when he comes again and we're raised from the dead, we will be raised in glorious bodies and we'll be like him. 1 John 3, 2, beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. With what kind of body will we be raised with? We will be raised with a body like Christ. Guys, that is the great point and the great promise of the resurrection. It's not that there's just a mansion waiting for you in heaven. It's not that there's just happiness floating on a cloud. It is that our strivings can cease. Because we strive to be like him. And we fall short every day. But when he comes again, when the dead in Christ are raised, our striving cease. And we are made like him. Not by our own power, not by our own abilities, by his sovereign power, we are made like him. That's the great point. That's the great promise of the resurrection. And it is only found in Jesus Christ. There are two resurrections. There's a resurrection to life and there's a resurrection to death. There's a resurrection to glory and there is a resurrection to wrath. And the resurrection to life and the resurrection to glory is found and it is given freely to every person who puts their faith in Jesus Christ. To every person who strives to be like him. In the twinkling of an eye, at the sound of a trumpet, the dead in Christ will be raised and we will be like him. Thank you for listening to this Christ Central Church sermon series. To find our gathering location and more sermons, visit ChristCentralChurch.net.